Tickle me Elmo looking at him. Looking ass nigga. If I was a little bit tall looking ass nigga. Now that's the smell of clean. Oh, pass all looking boys. The review new podcast. I'm your co-host DJ. I'm your co-host Evan. And this is the podcast where we typically look back on the media that we grew up with and look at it in a modern lens. But today we have a Kofi request. Thank you so much to the the Medici clan of this podcast at this point. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Goatman, once again, uh, thank you so much for your request for Perfume, colon, the story of a murderer. And if you would like to request a movie, music, or stream request, head on down to Kofi.com slash Rap Critic. Get your request in. Uh, Black November's over, but it's all good. You know, if you still want to get this requested, you could do it. You're just going to have to wait behind uh, <laughs> Dr. Coatman because <laughs> he went he went hard. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but, hey, look, I'm not complaining. You know what I, I mean? He, <laughs> I feel like he needs, like, I feel like Dr. Coatman needs, like, a Medici-esque gilded robe and, and puffy hat and, a, and, like, a palazzo in Venice. Yeah. Or, not Venice, but Milan. Milan yeah, is where yeah. all the patrons were, right? Would, would be quite appropriate for uh, for today's episode oh, as yeah. we uh, g- take you back to the 16th century. Uh, man, so I had never seen this movie before. I feel like I vaguely remember hearing about it. But, uh, yeah, and, and we're going back to, to the year 2006 to uh, this movie... Uh, now I, I really, how, how'd you feel about it going in? Uh, so I've seen the movie. Uh, I saw the oh, movie so you saw it before. years ago, uh, I think pretty shortly after it came out and I had also read the book. I believe I read the book in high school and then I saw the movie probably when I was in college. I remembered liking it. Um, I, there was stuff that I didn't, you know, there was a few things I couldn't remember, but it's weird because like it, it's, you know, like you said, it's a pretty uh, straightforward plot. And yeah. so I had a very clear memory of basically everything that happens. And so, you know, I, I remember, I remembered the ending. I remembered everything. And so watching it, you know, I wasn't like exactly on tenter hooks, but I did enjoy it, and I think Ben Wishaw's performance is fantastic. And yeah, I like yeah, him as an actor. Yeah, I think it, I think it was really solid too. Uh, although it, it's interesting because it's like watching it, it felt like such a two thousands like Hollywood movie in a certain way, right? Like, um, what, what what was the thing that I wrote down? Because uh, there's this very specific. I was trying to find a way to pin down exactly what it would be, but it's just like the type of style of these movies of. Because there was a couple of tropes that I threw together, and I was like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's like, this is this genre movie. I don't know what it's called, but it's like period piece character drama that literally starts with the main character's birth. There's a voiceover that's not talking to anyone, but it's just illustrating the story. And the characters speak in British accents, despite being in Paris, France. You know, like that type of, like, you know, Hollywood, will this win an award type of movie? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's a solid. It's still a solid story. But it's just interesting, like being like, "Wow, this is really like you know one Wait, of those." Te- and just also the like 18th and 19th centuries were filthy hell dungeons. Like, yeah. Although I will say, like Paris. I mean, you know, it's set almost a century before Les Miserables, but it's very like it's the same vibe. It's the like yeah. Paris is a filthy, horrible cesspit. But then the scenes in Grasse later are so beautiful yeah. comparatively. Um and so it's a really cool contrast actually. But but yeah, like the scenes in Paris are hard. Like everybody is filthy. Everybody's just covered in dirt and it's just yeah. awful. 
But like you get, and I will say one thing that's amazing about this movie, I think, yeah. is that the cinematography and oh, the sound, yeah. crisp. It oh my makes god! You, it so the movie, it's you know, it's called Perfume. It's about smell. The whole movie is mm-hmm. about smell. Scent, yeah, and they make you. I I experience like you can smell this movie. Yeah, it's so engrossing. The visuals, yeah. the visuals and the sound like there's like, the visuals, the weird. music. There is just it works yeah, in co- yeah, and and that's what I like the the way the movie started off just saying like hey you know there's a part of history that we really don't talk about scent and smell and like this is what this place smelled like no one would really be thinking about that when you're looking in your history books you know you don't think about the actual like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and the, the scent wafting off of the place the, the scene where Granui first goes to Paris and he's like smelling everything there's this one moment where the camera and it's like panning around and zooming in on all these different things and it zooms in on like this beautiful fabric and it kind of like slows down very subtly and zooms in and like it pops and it's very bright and there's like a very faint little like tinkling of bells and you can smell the brocade oh my god yeah the way the camera will zoom around it does this thing where it like yeah, I think was was uh what is that thing? Uh, uh, steady cam or whatever the heck, where it's actually like moving around a little bit. Was that a thing by this point? I, it was I like, don't remember. This was two thousand six. I don't I don't know. But yeah, I, I think mean, it might have been two thousand nine. But it was like one of those things where like they would cut to here and there, but it wouldn't just be static shots. They'd be like moving a little bit. Moving. So there's like a yeah, <laughs> and there's like it, subtle shaking going on. It's not only that it makes you smell stuff, but it makes you smell things the way Granui does because yes. like you know normal people walking around, we're not smelling brocade fabric half a block away right but because of the way that the film visually and also using the sound like highlights these things it's like you're you're getting his supernatural scent experience which is very cool yeah, yeah, it's a, the the domain of his work was something we forgot to history, the fleeting realm of scent, you know? And, like, yeah, it's like, as soon as it grabs you into the movie, like, it has moments where he's, like, it lets you slow down and just ha- him having a moment of, like, sitting in a forest and being like, hmm, you know, I smell a stone, I smell a warm stone, I smell a wet stone. And it's, like, one of those things where, like, I would have never actively thought about that, but now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, no, there are distinct smells to that, like, you know what I mean? And so, like, and then see, seeing him, like, sitting back and just like smelling further like his smell goes underwater at one point and is able to smell frogs eggs you know like he doesn't know what they are but he's able to smell it you know um mm-hmm. yeah i just thought it was just so cool how it brings you into those moments oh my god we're, we're gonna talk about it um oh my god and the way he's born he's just like squeezed out by this poor woman who's just trying to sell her fish wares and she's like oh well all the other babies have been stillbirth so this one's probably not gonna be any different then the baby starts crying and she's like Oh crap! This one's alive, <laughs> and yeah. people are like, "Hey, wait a minute! Where's that crack coming from? Hey, this woman tried to abandon that baby. She's a murderer! A murderer!" It's such a it's a weird moment because I think like you know it starts off in this very like crap sack world, right? It starts yeah, off yeah. in like Paris, eighteenth century, dirty, nasty, stinky, horrible, and. You know, and this woman just squats down and pushes out a baby behind her fish stall and then shoves it away with her foot. And yeah, so and by the way, almost... his name is Jean Baptiste Grandoui, which means fr- frog in yeah. French. <laughs> but the way that they've, um, the way that they have set up the world, it almost, it, for a minute, my impression was like, wait, are, is this not necessarily historically, but in the world of this story? 
is this normal behavior? Is this right. like, would people just do this, just pop out a baby and kick it away with their foot? But no, it's not. Then people are as horrified as you would expect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, she is immediately uh, tried and hanged for trying to kill a baby. And the baby's sent into uh, uh, an, a foster, uh, uh, an uh, adoption. An orphanage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, orphanage. She, it's weird. Like, you almost feel kind of sorry for her. And I think um, they don't yeah. quite say this in the movie. If I remember, and it's been, like I said, I think I read the book in high school so I don't remember clearly but I feel like I remember in the book it's explicit that she's like um cognitively you know she's she's cognitively not like all there. and uh, so um well the, like see. that she's got like a cognitive disability and so she's not like necessarily aware mm. of you know oh and, see I just and, took it as like oh I'm poor and I, I don't need to feed this well, and there's also the, just... they established that like she's had four stillbirths before yeah, so yeah. she just assumes this one is yeah but yeah but yeah, like you, you, she just has this like, oh fuck, look when they're hanging her. Yeah, and, and his the, like, yeah, they go like, and thus begins his journey of like every person that he leaves behind gets killed. It is. I noticed that. I don't think I had noticed that when I watched the movie before. But yeah, yeah. like he gets his mom killed, and then every every boss he encounters. Dot, like it, that sounds like a video game thing. Like every boss he beats, but like no, every like the the lady but just who by runs circumstance, the yeah. The lady she, runs like, the orphanage. The first guy he's an apprentice to. The second guy's apprentice. Like everybody dies immediately after yeah. he leaves them. But but it has nothing to do with him usually. Like uh, yeah, with it's the first just woman. like he's just kind of cursed. It's like an almost like yeah. ma- like a slightly like magical. Like he's just a jinx. Yeah, like, because the first woman, she just sells the baby off. And I was thinking, like, wait, was that related? And it was like, oh, no, it just seems like, oh, she's going down the dark alley, you know, two thugs, bum rusher. And then uh, with the other one, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can sell this guy to uh, this perfumery guy uh, for 50 for fifty francs. Oh, cool, that'll be easy for me. And then, like, a carriage just happens to come by and bumps him to where he, like, hits his head on a cobblestone and falls into the water. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they, they kind of imply that when he's born, he's just so fascinated by the smell of the city that he wants to survive just to smell more basically right like because when they bring him to the the orphanage he tries to like smell the the kid's finger that uh you know uh goes up to him and you know they're like well we're gonna get rid of this baby we're gonna mess it up but what happens it was like they were like get rid of the baby and then something happened where they wouldn't where they wouldn't let him i'm trying to remember what that was the kids yeah, the kids. Yeah, are like, the kids. The kids are like freaked out by the baby because the this newborn baby like grabs the kid's finger really hard and is sniffing it and like a little yeah. creepy nose monster, and the kids all gang up and try to smother him, which is so upsetting. It's like yeah, oh my, and it goes oh on for my, a little bit. The, <laughs> like, and the, oh. But the orphanage lady hears them. They she hears like the baby crying and she goes and you know chases them off and beats them. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, she just chases him off and beats him. But then, so basically they say for the first couple of years of his life, he didn't know how to talk, but it's one of those like, oh, the bounding of one sense is strength, you know, strengthens another. So it's kind of like leads to him wanting to smell more things. And, you know, he, he would lie outside and smell things. And Well, and he has, you know, he has like a supernatural sense of smell from the very beginning. I think it's implied because yeah. like, you know, he as even when he's like literally like has like barely even cut the umbilical cord you see that oh that's true all the fish markets of, like and, yeah, the yeah. the different things he's smelling and getting these very vivid impressions so it's like he's just got this supernatural sense of smell inherently and then 
later, I think, when we find out that he himself does not have a scent, like he does not give yeah. off a human smell, that that may be tied in, that part of the supernatural sense of uh, smell is his own smell is not, like, getting in the way at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, and it was also a cool moment where, like, one of the kids uh, tries to throw, like, an orange at him or something, but because he can smell it, he moves out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so the kids are like, God dang it, and they just, like, go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to my point, this is this is the notes. Like the movie makes you really appreciate smell without smelling it, without the camera moves and rests on things, and how it mixes with the music. Like the music will have these little light tremolos in the instruments mm-hmm. that they put under certain points that really gets you to really like think about the smell. It's like one of those. It's like doing everything but giving you the smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so he comes across uh, a smell that's so nice. It, he's working like basically he's working uh, on like tan tanning like what, what are those called yeah, he's like, working a in, a, in a leather tannery yeah 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 and so uh he's conscripted to go into the city and sell t- and you know m- move some product and he comes across this woman who smells so nice he just has to follow her and it's this woman selling they weren't apples but i, I just wasn't sure what they were they're plums, plums. oh okay yeah. they were just so like weirdly juicy looking <laughs> yeah no they're plums uh-huh. and she's credited as plum girl <laughs> and you know he's this peasant boy who doesn't know how to speak to a woman so he's just like following her and just kind of like you know following her scent you know and then she turns around and is like oh hey uh do you what what two for two for a sue you know and he just kind of like bends down and starts smelling her hand and she like you know gets freaked out and runs away and he's like ah crap you know i gotta follow the scent I, i've gotta know how this woman smells and it's like it, it is such an interesting like character play right of like well we're following this guy he's had such a hard life and you know this sort of thing but then it's like oh he's being really uncomfortable with this woman what's what's going on uh, you know because yeah. you're you're so waiting for like the hello like i'm a you know humble you know what i'm saying just some sort of break the ice thing but he's just yeah so- i mean i i think like I don't know, because again, like I had seen the movie already, read the book, uh-huh. but it's called Perfume Story of a Murderer. So like, yeah, I know, but I was just yeah. like, y- you're hoping that it doesn't go the way it ends well, up going. You know, it's interesting because, and again, grain of salt, because I haven't read the book in like 20 years, um, but it. Oh my god, I'm old. <laughs> uh, look at you. <laughs> but um, but the from what I remember and <clears throat> and just sort of reminding myself with like the book summary um in the book he's like so he's a monster in the movie he's a monster yeah but he's more of a sympathetic monster in the movie in the book he's like Mm. in the book he is you know just as much of a freak combined with like almost like an incel misanthropic attitude not specifically not even specifically misogynistic but just really misanthropic and like hates people and is very like like and he wants to kill he wants to like capture and 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 it kind of makes sense at a certain point right like he's this boy raised in the gutter no one ever cared about him so why should he care about anybody you know but the thing is like ben wishaw's version in the, the film version he's not angry so much like that he's just sort of like when he kills the first the plum girl it's an accident it's he an accident her. Yeah. he he's like lenny in mice and men he's just trying to like hold oh, her, no. keep her quiet and then yeah because someone ru- runs in yeah yeah and right. he's and just trying he to looks, keep her from being noticed and, and then he looks completely like surprised like when he notices yeah. she's dead now he then proceeds to you know be apparently unbothered by <laughs> <a sniffer. laughs> yeah but but he's like 
he's like an alien or like an animal. Yeah, and, and, not... and that's what it is. It's like you don't you don't see him as just this monster trying to ravage your body. You see him as like, oh my god, I wanted the scent. I wanted the scent. Where's the scent? You know, yeah, like he's, he's very much like an animal or an alien. He's not hateful. He's not a hateful man yeah. or a hate. He's not a hateful person. He's he's this creature. He, he's a, yeah, and at a certain point, a victim of circumstance. You know. Yeah, and and I will say also like jumping way ahead, which. You know, obligatory spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Oh, yeah, yeah, talk yeah. About spoilers. Spiggity spoilers. Indiscriminately stop it if you don't want to spoil it. But, yeah. you know, when he kills the girls, like, he could have done exactly what he did. He could have made that perfume without killing a single person yeah. if he had just, like, somehow convinced the girls to hold still for a little bit. Well, well <laughs> imagine if he actually, like... Went to Grasse and sold those perfumes that that his master was basically, you know, that he was telling the master the recipes for. And if he had just sold those and then be like, oh, yes, and my perfumes are selling so well, I actually need a couple of models to help me with it. Like, he totally could have played it like that, right? Oh, yeah. Like- <laughs> well, and here's the thing, too, and I had forgotten about this. In the book, there's this whole middle section where Granui goes, before he goes to Grasse, he goes to, I think, Montpellier and works for this, like, nobleman. Oh, wow. And he yeah, works the, the for, guy who's selling the the uh, uh, the opposing uh, uh, perfumery from uh, Albini, the, the oh, guy that he ends up working okay. for. Yeah, yeah. He, okay, so, yeah, so he works for that guy and ends up becoming, like, kind of famous in society. And he also, like, starts experimenting with applying different perfumes to himself to have different effects. So there's this whole middle section that they cut out of the movie completely, and I think it works. I think the movie is very Yeah, I think it still does a good, yeah, yeah. The plot totally makes sense, and the only real purpose that middle section serves is to show that he has figured out how to manipulate people's behavior by applying sense mm. to himself. But but they, they still do, do that, that pretty well in the movie. Yeah, they yeah. do that pretty well in the movie because the first time he makes he successfully makes girl perfume, he puts a little on himself, and the journeyman who's running the shop he works for, who hates him, comes up and starts being really polite to him because of the smell. So it's like they yeah. establish that in like one moment, which is very yeah. helpful. Oh, yeah, that's what I had wrote down. I was like, damn it, when he shocks her and, like, you know, uh, holds her mouth, I'm like, damn it, you were just holding a knife to slice the, the plums. Why did you stab in this asshole? <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, oh, my God. And th- that was it again. So once she dies and he's, like, you know, starts sniffing her and smelling her, it's, like, this moment where you can tangibly see him, like, trying to get the scent, you know, like, like it's water, like he's trying to, like, pick it up, but it's, like, slowly going away because, because she's dead, and so it's leaving, and so, like, like, it's in that moment, I could, like, I could all but see him picking up, like, grains of scent and losing it, you know what I mean? And then, uh, oh, yeah, and then, of course, his boss comes over, hits him over that, apparently doesn't even notice the dead body. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just goes like, if you leave again, I'll fucking kill you. And like, he's just like sitting there passively getting hit. <laughs> like he's just like allowing it to happen. Cause like, I, I don't care. Like this yeah. is my life. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, then later on he's selling some of the, uh, um, the things that they are tanning. The He's selling the sh- just like goat skins, I think. Yeah, yeah. So he comes across uh, Dustin Hoffman playing yes, an Italian. Dustin, we have got to talk about Dustin Hoffman. In this. <laughs> and, oh my! An God. Italian perfumer who, in no way, sounds Italian, but <laughs> he doesn't sound Italian. He sounds maybe Italian American. Yeah, right. It's just so funny. Like he's like, it's 
I mean, it's just Dustin Hoffman. What are you Hoffman doing? Being, I'm walking here. It's just Dustin Hoffman <laughs> being Dustin Hoffman, but like, yeah. they're like, yeah, you know, it's, it sounds like Again, it's a 2000s Hollywood movie, you know? <laughs> it's so, yeah. Yeah. Albini, he he comes into his shop. They kind of illustrate that, yeah, his glory days are behind him. But and you know, it's he, the first time we really depart from Granwee's perspective. Also, is when yeah, we see, yeah, we we jump over to see this guy about yeah, Baldini. Yeah, and he's uh, getting a uh, getting up the, the perfume from his competitor, from a, a friend of his, or, or one of the people that works for him. And you know, they're kind of like buttering him up. It's like, oh, you know, they're not as good as you. Like, look, this guy puts too much of something in it. It's just like I can't figure out what it is. And you know, if anyone can figure out it, it's you, Master Albini. But like, you know, yeah, this is just the perfume that's selling right now, just because like it's the hot new thing. And, and it was so interesting, like the way they talk about perfume and stuff. Like it. It made me like understand the snobbery of perfume, you know, like because at uh-huh. first, like I was just thinking, like, oh, I, am I really gonna get this? Because they're just talking about, but the way they like laid it out and really like helped you understand it was just like, whoa, I am understanding this. Like, I understand music now when they were and talking it, about, and it's very much like the plot is structured around the concept of the thirteen note. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, yeah. it's not just it's not just interesting and i mean the the story does a fantastic job of you know pulling all these details about the art and craft of, of historical perfume making um yeah. i i thought the the enflorage was fascinating but mm-hmm. um but yeah like the um they're kind of setting up the entire concept and structure of the of the main story there yeah so uh uh albini he goes to his study He's, you know, putting a dab on the, like, they're showing you, like, how he, you know, figures out a scent. He puts a little dab on it, wafts the handkerchief in the air, and he, like, sniffs. Well, like, first he, like, holds his nose so that he can, like, clear his nose. And then he puts a dab on it, uh, puts the handkerchief in the air, and he, like, sniffs. And he's like, mmm, do I hit, uh, was it cinnamon? Uh, is it orange? Uh, you know, and it's like, he's trying to, like, figure it out. And it's, like, in the moment where you're, like... You're kind of thinking about like, oh yeah, the, how would orange smell and how would this smell like? Oh, I can mm-hmm. kind of see how maybe like those would work in tandem. You know what I mean? Like your brain kind of like starts to figure out because it really gives you time to think about it while he's like wafting it in front of him. You know? Yeah. And then so Grinwe comes over and he's delivering uh, the the bridles or what have you, and he says like, uh, "Are you trying to make these tans smell good with Pelissier's brand Amor and Psyche?" And like Albini, because you know he doesn't like Pelissier, he's like, "What? What? <laughs> no! What are you talking about? You know?" It's like, "Well, I can smell it all over your nose and your hands and all this." <laughs> and he's just like, "Huh?" And he's like, "He's trying to smell it like he can't even smell it himself." He's like, "Wait, what are you? What are you talking about?" Ron Wee just kind of starts casually saying like, "Yeah, uh, it's a it's a big brand, but all he he just uses too much rosemary and, and these two things because he doesn't really know what they are, but he knows like you know what they smell like, right?" And so like Al, Al, Albini is like having the moment. He's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> hold on! How the heck does he? He doesn't know what they are, but he's able to know what they are." You know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. It's like it's so funny because it's like it seems like they're saying like, oh, he just he just does, you know overdoes these two ingredients in a way that overpowers it and gets the masses to enjoy it. But a true perfumer who knows his craft would use more subtle mixtures. And I was just like, holy shit, am I comprehending perfume snobbery right now? Like that, that was the thing where I was like, I actually get it. <laughs> like the idea of like to do a comparison, it's like, oh yeah, all this mainstream music shit where they just boost the bass so it fits with all the other over loud, you know, the loudness war shit. You know, like it's the exact same idea, right? Like. Like, oh, that's the thing that's popular just because they, like, crank up these things, you know. And and then he starts talking about, like, uh, you know, he says, like, you have to know which chords, which notes, and the exact measurements, uh, uh, you know, on which to use. And I was, like, having the moment, I'm like, whoa, this really is, like, music. And then the more he explains it, the more it, it makes sense where he says, uh, he talks about, uh, there's three parts of it. Is the, uh, There's the head, 
the what was the it? head, the heart, the bass, heart and the bass. Yeah, yeah. And like it really is laying it out like music. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like when you smell certain perfumes, you can smell, for lack of a better word, the funky harmony of the smells. You know, and how they work in combination to make this chord of smell. And I was like, oh my god, I actually have the language of thought to understand this now. And how he describes it is like the head is the first smell. It's like the thing that like the light thing that brings you in. The heart carries you in for the main part of the smell, which you're mostly going to be smelling. And the base is what lasts, the thing that you're going to be smelling the most. And I was like, oh my god, not only do I understand this, I also understand the time of smell now. (laughs) Like, you know, just like really understand like, oh yeah, you need a stronger thing, but something that's not going to overpower you know the the other smells so that it comes on too soon you know what i mean and then yeah he tells him the legend that there was a, a 13th smell that no one could determine what it was and you know he's just like well do you know what it was it's like no it's a legend he's like what's a legend it's like never mind <laughs> <laughs> it's like this this guy's really not cultured <laughs> you know basically says oh do you want to recreate policier's brand because i can do it right now like if you just show me how to do it i can like if you just show me the ingredients i can do it you know and so he just like goes like what no you you wouldn't be able to do that come on and he's like no, no just give me a chance and um he mixes it together and he gives it to him and he's like oh this actually this actually is it and he says yes but that's not a good perfume if you let me i can make a better version of that and it's like and you could see albini like having his the wheels turning of like oh shit i can make the better version of the popular thing you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like uh go ahead let me i'm not gonna leave this money on the table you know <laughs> um but he makes it for him, and he says, like, you know, basically the motivation of the character, he says, is like, Master, you know, please uh, teach me how to do things because I have to learn how to keep smell. I have to, you know, learn how to trap it and keep it so that I can, you know, basically have it forever, what I want, instead of it just being fleeting, you know? Um, and then, so he says, uh, he says, uh, do you want to test it? And he's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll test it later. And so, you know, he tells him, come back tomorrow, I'll think about whether or not I want to I want to take you on as an apprentice. And then, just this beautiful Ratatouille-like moment, <laughs> where he <laughs> just wafts the smell really quick, and, you, and the camera moves around as he's, like, transported to, like, you know, some French uh, fruited villa, where a, a beautiful perfumed woman walks up to him kisses him and says i love you <laughs> it's like that's that, what this smells like <laughs> that, and it's, it's interesting too because that moment um first of all it was like very very 2000s cgi but right. <laughs> but it's like it's it's effective and it's interesting because we know obviously that um you know, Granwy has not yet discovered how to capture the scent, the the scent of a woman, um, <laughs> the actual, you know, the actual scent of a woman. Um, so he's not wrong. Smelling. New York, uh, wrong New York, uh, Italian eighties. Yeah, uh, but he's he's not smelling an actual woman. He's smelling, you know, a scent that maybe a girl that he loved when he was younger wore, and so right, it's that right. nostalgia. Like, and you notice, like, mm. yeah, like it's it's all it's that nostalgia and like scent bringing you back to memory, and mm-hmm. um, and all, and it's interesting because you know Granwy has lived in shitty fish smelling Paris his whole life, all he doesn't have that he has he has no memories of like an italian villa garden like he just Mm. he knows it smells good yeah yeah and so he he uh he he teaches them how to preserve scent uh he he like yeah because it's like a device that apparently albini had kind of crafted himself and one night he's like 
practicing with stuff. He's like, oh, I want to, okay, I want to see how to do it. I want to try to do it myself. And, you know, he hears, like, a bunch of cracking going on in his laboratory. And, like, Alpine's like, whoa, what's going on? What are you doing? And so he runs in. He sees, like, a bunch of glass on the floor. He's like, what's going on? What are you doing? He says, you, t- you told me that I could, I could preserve smell. You told me I could do it. He's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he, like, holds the glass up to him. He's like, what is this? And he's like, what, what's it supposed to be? He's like, it's the smell of glass. And he's like, glass has no smell. He's like, of course it does. <laughs> and he, like, throws it down. He's like, but it's not this. And he holds up another one. What's this? And he's like, I, what's it supposed to be? He's like, it's supposed to be copper. And he's, like, all angry. And then he goes, like, what have you been doing? He looks around. He's like, what? What? What's in there? And he sees, like, the uh. thing that he uses to boil. And he's like, oh, my God. You're, like, basically trying to boil a cat to, to try to distill its smell. And he's like, what are you doing? Are you insane? What? You're not a human being, you know? Um... And he says, like, but you told me I could do it. You told me that I could figure out how to do it. You know, and he says, like, well, you know, this is basically the the mainstream way to do it. There is in grass. It was grass, right? That's the name of the place. I think grass. Yeah. Grass. Yeah. Uh, there's a special sophisticated way where they preserve scent more strongly. So he basically says, like, you know, I'll do anything to be able to go there. And he goes, like, OK, you know, you seem really into this. Uh, you know what? I'll help you out. You give me some of your you help me out with some recipes and I'll send you on a you know first class ticket to get there. You know what I mean? Um, and there was a little thing where the the house that they were in kept shaking. And I was trying to figure out what was going on with that. Because remember, it like it happens really quick at the beginning when we're first introduced. And I was like, huh, is it is France on like a fault line or something? Like what's going on? You know what? I was trying to figure out what was happening. <laughs> yeah. And then um. Oh, but uh, before we get to that, he says, like, yeah, you can't distill someone's smell. You can't distill a cat smell just as you can't distill, you know, a smell of you and me. And he goes, I, I can't, you know, and he's just like, no, no, it's, no, it's not. And basically they get into this conversation where it's like, okay, well, I can teach you, like, there is a more sophisticated way of, you know, containing smell, but it's at this place, you know, the, the specific uh, tools that they use. And so, yeah, he basically says, like, okay, give me all of these recipes for, like, the best the best fragrances, the best perfumes, and I'll send you out there. And, you know, he goes to sleep that night. Like, he's like, oh, man, I'm a happy man. Like, yo, I'm going to be right back on top just where I was before. And then his house collapses in on him <laughs> because the shaking that we've – what we've been hearing has actually been the foundation of his house, like, <laughs> messing up and, like, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, getting discombobulated, basically. So, yeah, and I realized that. I was like, wait, why did his house just collapse randomly after he left? And I was like, oh, <laughs> the earlier shaking. Yeah, I guess it's I, – I was thinking, like – they really do foreshadow. I mean, even when you first see a bridge with a bunch of houses lined up on it, it's like, is that a good idea? And then right. the, the, the constant shaking is kind of foreshadowing, yeah, even though yeah. it still seems a little bit random, but they, they do foreshadow it. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then, so he, he kind of uh, goes on his journey uh, walking on his way to Grasse. But in the middle of doing that, he kind of, like, there's two paths that he could have taken. One is, like, going through the city, and one is kind of going over the mountains. And he thinks, like, you know, I've been in the city all my life. I want to get away from scent. I want to be, you know, I want to feel the absence of scent, basically. Uh, Basically, like, his his journey to stillness in his nose. Uh, (laughs) And so he comes uh, amongst this place with a bunch of, like, dead stones. And so he rests there for a while. And he kind of has... A moment where what is it? I think he has a dream about about the girl that uh, he accidentally killed, and he he's sniffing her scent, and she turns around and just kind of it kind of seems like she doesn't see him, and it just kind of says like hello, 
And it's just kind of turning around and he's like, he's right there. And he's like, huh? Wait, does she not see me? And then he like wakes up and has like a moment where he's like, uh, hold on. And he starts smelling himself. And he says like, you know, the narrator's like, he's smelled like lots of things. He could smell all of the things on him. You know, the, the, the sausage that he had two weeks ago, the, the soot, the grime and all that stuff. But he could not smell himself. And it was just like this moment of him just like slowly going into madness of like, Wait, just like trying to do everything he can, running into a rainstorm and like watching, you know, moving his hands like so and like trying to sniff and just trying to get what his scent would be. And he's like, oh my goodness, I don't have a scent. And it was like the existential crisis of him feeling like since he has no scent, he has no mark, he has no trace, he has no real mm-hmm. existence in the world, you know? Right. So, And you notice like at later points, like he... There's a point later in the movie where he sneaks by a dog and the dog doesn't notice him because he's, oh, yeah. in, you know, he doesn't have a smell and people That's don't react point. to him. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, the God Alan Rickman shows up with yeah. his wonderful voice. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, this was the part right here because it was like after all these like, you know, sensory sort of like preps that we kind of get to really pull you in it cuts to a scene where there's like some purple hedges i think this is where people make like wine or something like that and you hear a little bit of buzzing in the background and my brain instinctively like wanted to sniff for it because <laughs> it, was, it was just so presented so prominently and you hear like the little again like the visuals working in conjunction with the music it just kind of felt really there and so my brain just like want to go like oh what does that smell what, what the hell am i doing <laughs> you know yeah. um and so they show on the scene of um how the fat soaks up the scent, uh, you know, and how he's there, like, uh, working. I gotta say, weren't the flower frames cool? I don't know why. I just really liked those. Yeah, it was just so cool looking. And just, like, hearing them talk about how it's like, you have to let the flowers slowly die as if in sleep. You know, you can't handle them so harshly. You know, you must treat them like a lady, you know? Um, But yeah, yeah. And then how the movie slowly slips from a historical piece into a horror movie. <laughs> because, like, you know, the first time he kills a woman, is like, okay, you know, that was an accident. Hey, you know, he didn't do it on purpose. And then the second time is like, oh, what was it? Isn't it the, he wants to, um, he hires the prostitute, right? Right. So he hires the hooker to try and, like, he and he tries to basically just have her hold still, lie still, and get, and, and try the enflorage on her. But she freaks out because, you know, he's not really explaining. And then he pulls out something yeah. that looks like he's going to cut her. Like, and so she if says, you would have just explained. <laughs> right. Because, you know, he's, he's not explaining. He's just like, hold still. you got to hold still. It's like, oh, you seem like a serial killer. And then he does yeah. become a serial killer because he decides to kill her. Yeah, um, and so like, so as soon as he like he kills her and then wraps her in that stuff to like preserve her scent, right? Um, and so it's like, oh my god, like this is like it so slips immediately into horror as he's like using the the lie or whatever to like uh, scrub her hair down and stuff like that. It's just like all these, but yeah, I was like, holy shit, this really turned into a horror movie. I would say it's almost more of a thriller because you've yeah, got this, yeah, like, you're right. And I will say, I do not remember how much of this, if any, uh, uh, of this element is in the book. But Alan Rickman's character, the dad of this beautiful young girl, who's like the most beautiful girl in town, and he knows that his daughter is going to be on this list because he's killing beautiful girls and he um 
he's talking to the town council and he's like, we have to get in the mind of the killer. We have to understand. Wait, we have to do it. We have to and get it, into the mind of the killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, and it's like, you know, it's very anachronistic because he's using, you know, psychological profiling of a serial killer <laughs> right. that was not invented until the 1970s. Yeah. But, um, you know, but it's, so it, it almost turns into like an FBI serial killer hunt just you know, in a different setting. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he he puts the body in, in that tank where the flowers were. And they're asking, like, well, why would you cover the tank? And he's like, oh, uh, it's a new thing. I'm trying to preserve the scent. Oh, he does that. He does that before. He does that before he hires the, the hooker because. Oh, then who was that woman that he killed? Uh, no, so he him? puts so he puts this girl, the peasant girl. The peasant girl that he catches in the barn and he kills her and he puts her in That's the That's what it was. Yeah, it was and it a doesn't, yes. And it doesn't work. He's trying to just right, her like you're he right. the cat. It doesn't yeah. work. And so then went. he tries the enflorage. Then he tries the enflorage and then ends up killing her. But then that works and the the and he realizes that the perfume works when it affects the the journeyman. That's right. That's how it went. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had the note. Oh my god, soiled perfume is people. We, we gotta stop him somehow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it, and that's how he especially knew it worked because after she died, he pours a little on his hand, and then the dog that was hers uh, runs over to him and starts licking him. So that's how he gets a smirk on his face. Oh yeah, like, that oh, little so really dog. That yeah. little dog is such an important part of yeah. the movie. It's so they use that little dog so well dog. because yeah, he's key to the whole operation. He tests. <laughs> it's this cute little mushy-faced dog, and he tests. And it was the hooker's dog, and he tests the perfume by you know he puts some on his hand, and the dog comes over and licks it. And then of course later the dog, you know, the, we see it's almost like hard to tell it's the same dog because it's a little white dog, but he's so dirty because he's been astray. But he mm. comes and he finds his mommy's hair and. That that's and, right. Yeah. yeah. At the end. It's so sad. But poor so, little dog. So the, the rich people in the nice uh, in the nice place, in the nice town, are playing hide and seek in, in this uh, really elaborate garden. You know, this uh, uh, Overlook Hotel type garden. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nice big maze. And the, the girl that smells the prettiest is out nearest him while he's like out there and you see him in silhouette and yeah, you start Lori, sniffing. Lori, who yeah, Lori. I think in the book her name is spelled L-A-U-R-E, which I think would be pronounced like Loa, but yeah. she's called Lori in the in the film. And it, this is the moment where it really twists into the the sort of horror thriller elements because it's like you hear him sniffing like the freaking uh, Jason. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> and then he starts running towards her and is like, oh my God. Um, but then like I, I was trying to figure out why does he throw that rock at that moment? Because like he she runs out and and finds her uh finds her bow and he's like, Oh hey, I caught you. <laughs> now you have to give me some sugar, you know. And then he throws a rock, but either he meant to hit the guy and missed, but it, it ended up hitting the light fixture. And so, like, you know, the guy gets kind of flushed. He's like, oh, what's going on? And she just runs off. I think maybe off. he just did that to, like, cause a distraction so he could get away. Uh, but I guess. I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I guess. Cause yeah, I maybe. Think, I don't like, know. Because yeah, wouldn't that cause more? Wouldn't that bring him more attention? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because like, well, what broke that? What broke that? I didn't class, even. You know? I I didn't even remember or note that I had to think about it. So because what happens that he doesn't end up taking her that night. He ends up taking the twins. Those twins that we find out about because they start yeah. saying Abigail and uh, the other girl, and 
his oh yeah and this is the part where the master comes in wanting to shout on him but he's so compelled by the subtle chemistry of the smell it relaxes him so he you know he calms down and asks nicely and it's like whoa this is the thing like it didn't even feel like a magical you know magical realism moment because like my brain was so like understanding of the idea of like scent at this point like it had so built up that understanding and then being like oh yeah i could definitely understand a scent so strong that it could like compel someone's emotions you know like have you ever gone into like a certain place or, or opened a window somewhere and it's like it just smells so nice you just kind of want to chill and relax for a second you know like <laughs> you want to take in the surroundings you know what i mean it's almost like it's one of those things where like it got me to understand like it didn't feel like oh here's the magical realism moment it just felt like oh yeah no i can see that happening <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so the town council, they're talking about the murderers and Alan Rickman, he brings up that, you know, people saying like, oh, who is this madman must be a rapist, you know, it must be. And it's like, well, you know, uh, none, all, all of the women except for the prostitutes had their virginity intact. So the question becomes like, OK, well, what does this guy want with these women, you know? And it starts this whole hysteria where people start thinking like this or that person must be him because, oh, well, the person had their hair cut off. So it must be some freak who wants wigs or something like that. So like, oh bunch of people who are just like like men going into like wig shops all of a sudden getting the crap beat out of them because like oh it must be you it must be you yeah and we see like a lot of the sort of hysteria that follows where like yeah and we see and you you know we see men just like shooting each other because they're panicking and you know the 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 impact on the town yeah, you, you even go to the, the local church, they're like, uh, and uh, some of the clergymen are like, until we commit to Mother Church, these killings will not cease. And then, like, overlaying that is a nun that just got killed. Yes, <laughs> that was, church. yeah, it was almost it was like, like a darkly humorous moment. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> oof. <laughs> um, and then, so... They they finally uh, like a- after the sort of uh, uh, the hysteria has gone on for a while they 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 say like oh uh, look uh, I think they're in church and you know uh, a preacher is talking about how like we're going to excommunicate this savage he is made from the devil and he will go back to him and all this sort of blah, 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 blah. and then someone comes in and says oh they've been caught the person who's been caught he admitted to everything and you know we're going to have a trial and hang him by the morrow you know but Alan Rickman you know he really wants to get this guy he's not fucking around so he's like. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, he says, like, uh, like this is not the man that you're trying to get. It's like, oh, but he confessed all of it. It's like, yes, under torture. Uh, you know, for hours he was tortured and he conf- he confessed to whatever you wanted uh, uh, to ask of him. Like, he said that he had, you know, defiled the girls and all of this stuff when we know for truth that that's not what happened. And it was like one of those moments where I was like, my brain was going like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, another post 9-11 movie to remind us that torture, in fact, doesn't fucking work. It only satisfies what the questioner already wanted someone to say you know <laughs> and it was like oh shit like uh yeah because it's like yeah you know the people of this town have a vested interest in just blaming it on another person so the governments can close the case and say like oh everyone go home look the government's doing its job uh, you know everyone be happy now you know um but alan rickman he's not going for it he uh like everyone's out on the town he sees his daughter like having a good time but he's like no i i, I command you to stay home instead and he's freaking right because (laughs) homeboy's out there and so like specifically looking for her and in fact uh the next night uh like the night of people proclaiming oh yes we caught the guy no worries he's gone so everyone can come out this is just alan rickman's character is like a modern day fbi agent who has been transported into the past (laughs) because they're like oh yeah he confessed and alan rickman's like but he was tortured and look none of the details match up this is clearly anger and they're like yeah but he confessed (laughs) and then um so alan rickman he has a he has a dream one night that a shadowy figure comes into his daughter's room and he like wakes up in a fright runs to a room and he sees that she's safe, but then he goes like, 
did you did you open the window? And she, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just Kill gonna me. do that. This whole no, time. you're gonna do it. It's great. It's great. Uh, and she says no, and so he's like, okay, that's all he needs to hear. And so he's like, you know, the next day he takes her like the farthest away he can take her for the night. And what's so freaky about it is that like you're watching this story and being like, well, we know she's not getting away because he can literally smell wherever she is, you know. <laughs> and so it's like, oh boy. Um, um, but then. We get to the point where they finally catch him because he tries to, he, oh, no, he does get her, doesn't he? Yeah, because, like, he, he keeps her under lock and key. You know, he puts her in the hotel, this uh, uh this local hostel, buys up all of the rooms, puts her in the one room that's, like, closest to, you know, in an overlook of Craggy Rock. So, like, okay, no one's climbing up there. He tries to do everything he can, and then he comes in. And it's a weird cinematographer moment because <laughs> uh-huh. it's, like, a really big flash happens and my brain was trying to figure out what was happening. I was just like, wait, did he like, cause like he walks into the room and things get really, really bright. And then it flat, it, the brightness turns off and he's just looking at her and he sees that she's like, you know, dead. And I was like trying to figure out like what ha- did his scent was his scent did he throw out a scent flash bomb? And so he couldn't see what was happening. Like, what was that? Um, but yeah, eventually like, you know, he sees like, ah. Oh, you know, crap that he got my daughter. He starts breaking down, but then there happens to be some like constables or whatever in the in the area, and they see like, hey, you, you over there, like you know, put your hands. Well, up. and also they're looking for him specifically. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, d- do they know at that point? Oh, yes. Yeah, because, because that's because remember the dog found the dog right. found all the hair and dresses. Yeah. And buried. Oh, and it was it was that day where he's said like I'm going off to find uh, uh, the the, const- the constable or whoever the heck it was whatever his noble title is and so like they know specifically he w- just went looking for them so it's yeah because like, oh, he was he be was like guy. out yeah. front asking where he went and everything mm-hmm. and because yeah because yeah, they had done because yeah like he, they did the kind of clever like oh you know we're gonna send this big carriage and retinue out and then disguise her as a boy and just go off with. The two of them, but, you know, yeah, yeah, but, um, but, you know, obviously he, you know, he's going by scent, so. Yeah, yeah, so, um, they decide to torture him, (laughs) putting his, uh, head in, in the water, but, you know, Alan Rickman still doesn't get what he wants out of him, which is, like, the confession of, like, why did you do this? Like, why? What What is their motivation? I have to know, you know, basically, and he's just like, I, I needed her. That's all he'll say, right? And so he just goes, like, you know, he... Alan Rickman goes into this incredible monologue detailing the spite and hate he has for this person. <laughs> it's just like, when all of your blood is being drained from your body, I will walk through the blood and look at your face, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Um, but then we get to the scene, at, well, actually, the scene at the beginning technically wasn't what... Uh, it was just like the setup of that he was being going to be uh, hanged in two days, but like the beginning scene was just kind of like him <laughs> getting the speedy trial. Um, but we we cut to the final day where he's supposed to be supposed to get. I think it was like fourteen lashes or something like that. He's he's being set up for the execution, but they don't see that he has a couple of a bottle or two with him, and so he you know uncorks the bottle. And, like, he sort of releases the scent into the room. And they kind of don't tell you what, what's happening, but it's just kind of things go a little weird. And then uh, it cuts to, you know, the braying mob kind of go like, yo, hang him, kill him, da, da, da. And then, you know, a carriage, a black carriage, you know, pulls up with, you know, uh, the people kind of who were supposed to be the executors, you know, walking by the side of the carriage and then opening up the carriage door. And, and he comes very, out. Like, 
like in the yeah, in like little outfit. boy blue, yeah, <laughs> and and they're all being very reverent to him. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sir, sir, right this way. And you know, the people that he walks past are kind of like they're having this weird thing where they're like emotions are slightly changing. You know, where he's just like instead of going being really angry, they're starting to go like, oh, oh. you know, they're not knowing how to feel. Then um, he goes up to the he goes up to the the scaffolding. And the executioner takes off his masks and gets down on his knees and says, this man, this is no man. He is an angel. He is innocent. And everyone's like, what's going on? And Alan Rickman, especially uh, behind all of the, you know, noblemen, he's like really pissed off. He's like, what in the fuck? <laughs> Watch yeah, because fuck. he's, you know, he's far enough away that the perfume right. is not, it's, it's not hitting him very strongly. And obviously he has this very intense, like, he has a motivation. Hatred. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, they don't see. He kind of like you know pu- pulls out the the handkerchief, dabs a little bit of the uh, the, the ointment or, or the the perfume on it, then kind of does like a very big gesture with the handkerchief, like you know, oh, I'm going to bow to all of you. And then you see, I, I love that you see like a bit of a moment where it's like what looks like a glare, like from a, a, a window panes, kind of flashing over the audience as everyone slowly goes like. Oh, this is no man. He's an angel. He's beautiful. Oh my goodness! You know, and so everyone just like is overcome with just like love of this person, and so he throws the handkerchief into the crowd, and like the, the from the center of the handkerchief, everyone's just like following, going like oh, and then when they catch it, like it like falls onto everyone else, and then they just go into orgy mode, baby. <laughs> yeah, and. And he's watching them have this orgy, and then he has the moment of, like, thinking back to the plum girl, the first, right, the first yeah. kill, and, you know, and imagining what if he had, like, just, you know, fucked her like a normal person. <laughs> and, but no, I mean, I'm saying, I'm being flipped, but, like, no, like, he imagines, like, what if he had had, like, a, a romantic encounter with her. Right. Rather than trying to capture her scent, and he starts crying, yeah. and then, you know, later they, like, near the end it says, like, oh, he realized, you know, he was a monster, he could never be a human, he could never love and be loved, and all this. And I think mm. it's interesting, because it really is, that I think the biggest departure in the book, just totally, just tonally, is that he, in the in the book, like, he's just a hateful, misanthropic monster who is disgusted by humanity. And when he sees people bowing down and worships, worshiping him as a result of the perfume, he's like, ugh, gross, <laughs> you know? Interesting. <laughs> and Grain of Salt, because this is my going off of, like, a couple decade-long memory and, and also, like, reacquainting myself with the Wikipedia article. But from what I remember, like, he was much more of just a hateful, misanthropic, you know? Yeah. And in the movie, he's like... He has this moment instead of going, oh, I'm a monster and and feeling it seems like remorse, um, if not. And, you know, and so like it's it's like, yeah, if not remorse, just kind of like sullenness at his reality as a person in this world. It's tragic in a way, because even though he is a monster, he's somebody who doesn't necessarily want to be a monster. Right. And and I think, um, you know, while the having your main character be a hateful, irredeemable monster is um is maybe a bolder choice it that kind of thing leaves me feeling just sort of shitty and, yeah, and just cold. Where, whereas like I think just it's kind the, of the dynamicness of this is more yeah it's more interesting it's like sadder mm. it's sadder in a way it's not just oh well there was a it's, it's not once upon a time there was a horrible person and he was horrible right, and he killed people right. and, died and i don't mean that i'm not saying the book is not great i'm not saying that to denigrate the book but i do think that like 
I think they in a movie where you only have an hour and a half, I think they did a good job of a character piece of trying to get you to see his world, but still not letting him off the hook, you know? Yeah, I think I think softening I think softening it a little. Like some people might be all edgy and be like, Oh, it's you know, it's not as bold a choice or whatever, but I feel like it makes it more meaningful and it definitely mm. makes it sadder. Yeah. And and so Alan Rickman, he has like he, you know, brandishes a saber, he starts getting closer to him, he's like, You fooled them, but you won't fool me. But then he st- gets too close, and then he just like drops the sword and drops to him. He's like, Forgive me, my son. Yeah. <laughs> and um then right after this is and this is the the beautiful little button on the whole situation, right? Uh cuz the next day because they're all collectively ashamed of what they let happen, they go to the nearest person they can find to blame. And since the bodies were found in the place of the uh, the master he was working for, they just pin it all on him. <laughs> And then they go, after 14 hours of torture, he was convicted and hanged. And they just, like, they just, like, bum-rush him up to a, this, like, little tiny... And he just tiny, looks stupefied the whole time. It's, like, like this like, little <laughs> tiny... It's not even, like, the gallows in the town square. Yeah. It's just, like, a noose hanging from, like, a shop sign in an alley. Yeah, and, like, they, they just got that over with quick. That was a kangaroo court right there. Yeah. Yeah, clearly because they just wanted to save face, you know what I mean? And it's like, it, we really wrapped this back around to, again, you know, post 9-11 uh, cinema here. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, how torture is stupid, it doesn't actually work, it only satisfies the person who's doing it. Um, yeah. And, and they had this whole moment where they, uh, in the ending monologue where he says, you know, as he leaves, you know, he, he could have done anything. He could have, you know, uh, ruled the world. He could have written a perfumed letter to the Pope claiming to be the new the new Messiah, you know. But he, he thought, like, well, it, it could it could never turn him into a person who could love and be loved. So he's like, to hell with this fortune. To hell with the perfume. So he goes back home to the place that had given him birth. Uh, the smelly, shitty, you know, dreg of, of France. And he pours all of the perfume on himself, so all of the people will come to him and love him so much they want to tear him apart. And it's like just really this dark, bitter ending where it's just like, and all of the people who had you know ripped him to ribbons had felt that they had done a kindness that day, you know. Um, yeah, they they done it out of pure love. Yeah, it's such a weird, dark, twisted like. Yeah, and then just the this fact was that done like, out of love. you see these people. <laughs> descend on him for like like a zombies. minute yeah like a minute and then they walk away and there's nothing there yeah i don't think there's, there's a cut either it's just kind of like you see it just happening and yeah. it just keeps happening and then they just slowly move away yeah and, I'm like, and you're looking for traces of them you're like holy shit and then it uh slowly closes in on like the one little bit of because like you see some kids going like oh hey look a jacket and they, they run off and then it slowly closes in on the vial with one last dream coming off of it <laughs> with yeah. a little bit of that uh, o- o- old time CGI on it but I think yeah. it was very well integrated I, I think it was you know yeah I mean? that looked good that didn't look particularly fake I was yeah, yeah. like it's one of those like it's in the way that I feel like when I look back on the matrix where it's like, I can, I know this isn't real, but it's doing a really good job of integrating it into, you know, into what's happening. So, so that you believe it, you know, your mind believes it as it's happening. You know what I mean? But yeah, that is perfume. The story of a murder. Definitely check this out. Even if you haven't seen it yet, because it's a pretty solid story and pretty solid performance. I mean, just to see for uh, the main character and Alan Rickman, Rickman alone, (laughs) But um, what's your final thoughts? So, well, the the thing that was kind of nagging at me throughout it, right, is that 
the movie, you know, we set up the idea of the 13-note perfume and this legendary perfume mm. that made everybody on Earth feel like they're in paradise, and here's this mysterious 13th note, and we don't know what it is, and Grand Wee decides he's going to make this perfume out of the girls, and he's killing the girls, and I believe, like, in the book, he ends up killing uh, a lot. I think he kills, like, 24 girls, and he's, like, building up to and practicing to kill Loa or Lori, but... In this, it's like, it's a lot more like, okay, he's got 12 empty bottles. He has like a special case with 12 bottles and he's going to kill one girl for each bottle. And, you know, so it's very much set up to make you kind of mentally follow along and go, okay, he's almost there. He's almost there. He's almost ready to make the perfume. So he's killing these girls. He's committing murder. And yet, for me at least, um... Part of me wanted him to. It's like it, it was very disturbing. <laughs> he that, wanted to have his like, fulfilling moment of. Oh, as I a found father, it. <laughs> like as a father, I'm a hundred percent on Alan Rickman's side. Obviously, of like protect your child, like don't let your child get murdered. But then there was part of me that was just like, okay, is he gonna make the perfume? Is he gonna finish? <laughs> and the formula, right? Well, and see, like, uh. and and and. I mean, if I were to think about it consciously for a minute, I might say, well, there's also the idea that, like, the the deaths, the 12 deaths, if he doesn't make that 13th, then the 12 deaths would all be senseless. But if he can make this perfume, then it creates something that's worth something. But it's like, okay, but he makes a mind control perfume that makes a bunch of French people have an orgy. That That's not worth 13 girls dying. Like, it's... <laughs> and so it's like... I don't know if it's something particular about this movie or just the the fact that it is that formulaic, but like, you know, I did not feel watching Silence of the Lambs that I really wanted Buffalo Bill to succeed in getting the <laughs> perfect size 12 suit. But something about the way it was laid out was like, at least for me, I, I part of me wanted him to succeed in making the perfume. And of course, I knew the plot. I knew what was going to happen. Ideally, again, like, and this is what's so frustrating, not from the plot perspective, but what's so tragic is like, if you could have just been a little more chill and you could have just talked uh, to those right. girls and gotten them to hold still, you wouldn't have needed to kill anybody. <laughs> if you would have had just some social skills, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just, or, yeah. Or like, would you get that middle, like Gronwy in the movie has way less of an excuse or has way more of an excuse yeah, rather yeah. because Gronwy in the movie never develops social skills. Never. Like he yeah, doesn't yeah. discover until he starts killing girls. Like he has no idea that he can like make himself self-popular with perfume whereas the Gronwy in the book like realizes he can totally socially manipulate people by putting on the right perfume so it's like you could have just manipulated girls into uh, holding still for you you didn't need to kill anybody yeah yeah uh, but uh, I, I think the whole idea is that like oh you know all of these people making perfumes trying to figure out what that formula is and no one thought about the fact that well maybe they use dead bodies <laughs> you know like so I, that's I mean, what they I was were just Egypt- thinking the, the ancient Egyptians did a lot of stuff with dead bodies so actually yeah, like having the legend be specifically set in a in an ancient egyptian tomb like that is actually very like a clever like yeah it probably yeah, yeah. was like a right? mummified person <laughs> Yeah, so I, I kind of liked how there's that, that subtle way you can connect the dots, you know, like, but uh, it, it, through how the story is laid out. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, solid movie, you know what I'm saying? Definitely a, a fun watch. Uh, definitely, you know, something you can throw on for some friends just to see their reaction at what's happening as it's Yeah, unfolding. like, it's very, I feel like I 
would imagine this i i did not watch this movie high but i would imagine i watched it you know like in the middle of the day today while like in between errands <laughs> but um but i would imagine this would be a very interesting movie to watch while high yeah yeah for sure uh but until next time so you have that recommendation ladies and gentlemen uh <laughs> legally only do legal yeah, things course. do not do of anything course. illegal and if you do it's not our fault yeah we do not endorse anything <clears throat> illegal uh, <laughs> only legally doing it. And remember, you know, it all comes from the earth. So what is really legal? Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, except for the mushrooms, those come from space, but that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, uh, thank you. This has been the review of new podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to support the show, ko-fi.com slash rap critic to do uh, one-time donations, get a movie music or a stream request, or go over to patreon.com slash rap critic to get these exclusive podcast episodes and get to see and hear rap critic content first as well as some music that i'm working on as well as getting to join the rc discord where you can chat with me and fellow fans look man we're making a pop over behind that patreon look i'm giving you guys reasons to 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 come through and support your boy you know what i'm saying i ain't trying to be a slouch i'm trying to i'm trying to help you help me help you help me i got lost but anyway uh and until next time i'm dj i'm evan and how we want the funk Give up the funk. Oh, we need, need the funk. <laughs> you gotta have that funk. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's a pun. It's a pun. Oh, I like see, it. You see what I did there? <laughs> Wait, let me explain. Because the joke is. <laughs> yes.